Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. And I'm Leslie Palmer. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll be sharing an explosive video by Project Veritas exposing how Planned Parenthood takes underage girls over state lines for abortion. Later, we'll be joined by Vince DeCaro of CareNet to talk about a new report showing the vital contribution of pregnancy care centers following the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year. In Abortion in the News, I'll tell you what's been going on in Ohio since pro-lifers lost a crucial constitutional battle, and I'll talk about the U.S. Senators who insist chemical abortion is safe. In political news in a nutshell, I'll report on our Vice President's upcoming nationwide tour to celebrate abortion, and I'll give you the latest on how Republicans who want to be President are faring in the polls. We'll close with a Christmas flash mob video recorded 12 years ago in a California mall that still gives us goosebumps when we see it. And we'll share a Christmas greeting from all of us here at Priests for Life. Please stay with us. This week, the Charlotte Lozier Institute, CareNet, Heartbeat International, and the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates released a report titled Hope for a New Generation to detail the life-saving work done by pro-life pregnancy help centers across the country. The report surveyed 2,750 centers in all 50 states to provide data on clients, staff, volunteers, and services offered during 2022. Abortion was still legal nationwide for the first half of the year, and after Roe v. Wade was overturned in June, states began protecting babies and their mothers from the procedure. Here are some of the highlights from the report. Pregnancy help centers saw 974,965 clients, performed more than 700,000 pregnancy tests, and provided more than 500,000 ultrasounds. Centers provided more than $358 million worth of goods and services at no cost to clients. More than 61,000 people worked for pregnancy help centers during the year, and more than 44,000 of those workers were unpaid volunteers. 97% of clients reported a positive experience. The centers offered post-abortion services to 19,383 clients. Wow. <laughs> so to give us a first-hand look at how CareNet helped moms, babies, and families, we've invited Vince DeCaro to join us. He's the chief outreach officer for the nationwide network of more than 1,200 pregnancy care centers. Welcome, Vince. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Sure. Well, Vince, the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe placed additional demands on help centers. Can you tell us what CareNet's experience was when states began enacting protections for the unborn? Sure. Yeah. yeah. We, we sort of had a, a sneak preview of what might happen several years ago when Texas had a temporary ban on abortions um, as a result of a court ruling. Um, and we remember at the time that we were getting calls from our pregnancy centers in Texas that the number of clients that they were seeing had increased dramatically during that time. And so we sort of said to ourselves, wow, can you imagine what's going to happen when Roe versus Wade gets overturned? Um, and so, uh, so, and that has ver very much come true. Um, you know, whenever abortion becomes more difficult to access, uh, women and men who are at risk for abortion um, are more in need of help. So as we sort of win legislative battles and political battles, the need for the sort of compassionate care that pregnancy centers and churches can provide is actually just going to increase pretty dramatically because uh, people are going to look for a place to turn if they can't get an abortion, right? And so, yes, so, so we have absolutely seen um, an increase in activity at our pregnancy centers. We've seen an increase in interest from 
from churches to become equipped to provide compassion, hope, and help to people considering abortion as well. And so it's been, and it's it's starting to be reflected in the numbers. And I think next year you're going to probably, um, as we look back at the previous year, you're going to see some, I think, even more dramatic increases in the numbers of people that are being served at pregnancy centers. Well, the numbers that we've seen so far are kind of mind blowing. How yeah. do how do these moms find their way to pregnancy help centers? Yeah. Um, so a lot most most pregnancy centers are just are, are just very good at marketing their their services to to women and men who are at risk for for abortion. Um, and I think it's important to note that more and more pregnancy centers, about sixty five percent of CareNet's affiliates, actually have fatherhood programs as well. So it's not just about serving women; it's about serving families. Um, and so. For, for the women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for information about, you know, what abortion entails, you know, what's involved in, in the procedure, what's involved in fetal development, what are their options, what, what are the different things that they can think about doing, you know, yeah, there's abortion, but what else, what else can I do, what kind of help can I get if I maybe want to try to keep this baby, um, and so pregnancy centers are able to market all of those different options and really about giving the full range of information to folks who are in that situation. As we know, the abortion industry is only interested in one option and that's abortion. Um, and so it's pretty clear what they're offering. Whereas with pregnancy centers, uh, maternity homes and churches, uh, there's there's a much more holistic approach where I think more and more people are seeing that, okay, so if I'm considering abortion, but not entirely sure that I just wanna go and pay for an abortion by somebody who only wants to give me an abortion, what are some of the other things that I might need to know about or support systems that might be in place for me. And that's what pregnancy centers do. And when pregnancy centers are open about all of those services that they that they provide, that's how, that's how people are attracted to them. Word of mouth is huge for pregnancy centers. Um, I think the satisfaction rating of, uh, of clients who visit pregnancy centers is over 90%. Um, in some years, it's been as high as 98, 99%. Um, so when folks have such an amazing experience at a pregnancy center, they go and tell their friends about it. Um, and then, so that's the, that's the best kind of marketing, right? You don't have to pay for that kind of marketing. Uh, when somebody goes and tells their friends, hey, I know you're in this, this really rough situation and I know that you know, you're thinking about having an abortion and you've seen all that information online, but you should go see these folks uh, because they really cared for me. They told me about all the options that I have um, and all the services that are available in our community that can help you. And so. That, that's how they, they find the pregnancy centers. Wow. Well, one of the unfortunate aspects of the end of Roe was that pregnancy centers became targets for pro-abortion violence. Mm. Were any of the CareNet affiliates damaged by any of these attacks? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we had dozens of documented cases where, where CareNet-affiliated uh, pregnancy centers were attacked. Um, the amazing thing, and this is just, I think, generally true of uh, pro-life folks, is that they, they, they're generous. Um, and so... We let our we let our, our folks know, hey, we have centers out there um, that have been damaged. Some of them, you know, pretty significantly. There were some fire bombings and, uh, you know, bricks through windows and, you know, graffiti and, and all kinds of all kinds of craziness. And so uh, we went out to our network and said, um, we need help. We need we need to we need to be able to give these pregnancy centers the financial support that they need to rebuild. And our donors came through and uh, were able to, we were able to send thousands of dollars to several of our pregnancy centers uh, to help them repair the damage that was done uh, from those attacks. And so um, thankfully there haven't been as many of those incidents reported lately, but for the first several months after the Dobbs leak, uh, it, it was it was pretty intense and pretty terrible. Wow. 
So the report was titled Hope for, a new, uh, Hope for a New Generation, and it really proved that pregnancy centers are more vital than ever. So we want to thank you for all the work CareNet does and that you do. And thanks for joining us tonight. Of course. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Undercover journalists have once again caught Planned Parenthood employees talking about breaking the law on camera. Project Veritas sent a reporter to a Planned Parenthood killing center in Kansas City, Missouri, posing as the uncle of an underage girl who wanted to find out how the girl could have an abortion in a state where it's illegal and without telling her parents. The managing director for the facility didn't hesitate before telling the man that Planned Parenthood sends underage girls over state lines, quote, every day. Let's watch the video. She's 13. Her parents don't know yet. Yeah, we, so we don't do them here. But we, yeah, we don't do them in Missouri. It's illegal. But we do have, um, I can give you a packet of the two locations that do it in Kansas. They have people that'll come pick them up. They have people really? that pay for the whole thing. Yes. I will call them and tell them what the situation is. They're going to help you. Look All within Planned Parenthood? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if the school agrees or not. We say that she was at the doctor. And we can we can cut off our letter ahead so it doesn't even say where she was. Trust me, this is not, this is not our first radio. How many times do you do this a year? Well, like a boy. Girls coming out of the state, yes. Oh, oh. every day. We get, every yeah. Day. Every day. Every day. Wow. Mm -hmm. because we set up hotels for them. We set up every day, every day. We never tell her parents anything. She's an adult, we're not going to. Project Veritas recently set out to investigate Planned Parenthood and their actions pertaining to abortions in a post-Roe v. Wade country. Most states have trigger laws that immediately went into effect following the Dobbs decision in the Supreme Court made in June 2022. Is she, is she wanting a termination? Or is she just wanting I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look into it, but... Yeah, they'll do it in her, her, her parents don't know yet. Yeah, we, so we don't do them here. But we, yeah, we don't do them in Missouri. It's illegal. But we do have... Um, I can give you a packet of the two locations that do it in Kansas. That'd be so great. Yeah, no, thank you. In this particular interview, the journalist met with Lashana, who is the managing director at one of a few Planned Parenthood offices in Kansas City, Missouri. While abortion is prohibited by state law in Missouri, this has not stopped Planned Parenthood from providing every necessity for young girls to be transported across state lines for an abortion in Kansas. Yeah, they've made them illegal in Missouri, but these two places in Kansas, this one is our clinic, and then this one is one that's right next to our clinic, and they both perform them. Oh, great. I would call, because if you go online, they kind of give you the runaround, but if you call and let them know what's going on, they'll do whatever they can to help you. Given that states like Kansas still permit abortion, could this potentially serve as a loophole for adults other than parents to accompany a minor, enabling them to seek medical attention and undergo an abortion without parental involvement? If you're trying to do it without the parents knowing, then you need to call because they need to do a bypass. Yeah. They can, they will bypass without the parents. You just have to make sure you tell them that when you... What is a bypass? Just not letting the parents know. Great. Yeah. So I, I can bring her? Yeah. You just have to, when you call, just tell them the situation. They'll walk you through everything. Could this lead to the exploitation of the process and increase the risks that minors will be abused? So if I can't do it, can is there a service that can get her across the state line? Yeah. Yeah. I would ask. They have people that'll come pick them up. They have to really? pay for the whole thing. Yes, I will call them and tell them what the situation is. They're gonna help you look All within Planned Parenthood? Mm -hmm. Could we get permission from a teacher to get her out of school during a school day for well, it? We could give doctors excuse. What's that? We could give a doctor's note to where the school, it doesn't matter if the school agrees or not. We say that she was at the doctor. 
they have to take it. Oh, and the teachers have to take it no matter what. And, but they don't tell the parents. No, no, no. And we can cr we can cut off our letter head so it doesn't even say where she was. Trust me, this is not this is not our first radio. They're gonna know exactly how to handle that. I will call. Okay, them. so thirteen-year-olds can go across state lines. Absolutely. Parenthood helps them do that, mm -hmm. and then pays for the whole thing. I won't say it pays for the whole thing, oh. but they will work for you. Sometimes they do end up paying for it. Yeah, yeah, it's a legal misery. So you all work very tightly with. Kids. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. That's great because when she called me, I looked it up right away and I was like, no. Yeah, we're all affiliated. We're all one big old clinic, pretty much. So the, the money just... It goes able. everywhere. Oh, how many times do you do this a year? What, like abortion? Girls coming out of the state, yes. Oh, oh. every day. We get, every, yeah. Every day. Every day. Wow. Because we set up hotels for them. We set up every day. Every day. So, this is so great because she's 13. Yeah. She's so young. And she's scared, you know, and that's she's what we're scared. here for. And I, her parents do not... They're, like, so conservative. And I do not let them know. And they won't. They won't. If she's an, I mean, in Planned Parenthood, we consider you an adult. If you can make the decision, then we got you. Okay. Okay. And then she, can she come in here for follow-up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she doesn't have to go back there for follow-up. Once she's done with them, she can come back here. And what about, like, contraceptives? We'll take care of all of that. All, without any mm -hmm. consent? Yeah, we never tell her parents anything. She's an adult in our clinic. As the investigation unfolds, these questions remain. Are lawmakers aware that Planned Parenthood has successfully, in their own words, created a bypass for young minors to acquire an abortion in another state without parental consent? Are schools and teachers cognizant of the fact that Planned Parenthood could be taking students out of school under deceitful pretenses to facilitate abortions without their parents' knowledge? And if Planned Parenthood is doing this, quote, every day in just one state, how many teenage girls across this nation have been transported across state lines to have their pregnancies terminated with the consent of adults whom they are not even related to? Stay tuned for part two to see what is happening in a nearby conservative state that has recently been attacked by the media for its politician stance for pro-life laws. We have with us this evening the investigative journalist who posed as the uncle. To protect his anonymity, we will not show his face or identify him by name. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, ladies. Great to be with you. Well, can you first tell us um, and our viewers a little bit about Project Veritas and how this project got started? Absolutely. Uh, as many of you might know, Project Veritas is America's premier nonprofit organization that specializes in investigative journalism. And we investigate everything from cor corrupt government to media, big tech, politicians, campaigns, education and beyond all through undercover video. And how did you get this project started? So after the overturning of Roe v. Wade back in 2022, obviously we all know that such a huge giant a uh, company organization like Planned Parenthood is just not going to go into the dark and die. So hearing these stories come out over the past year, just got some thoughts started, as well as some other tips we received from insiders that Planned Parenthood is still organizing abortions, not only that might bend the law a little bit, but also for minors and trying to disguise whatever actions they're doing so the parents are unaware. And that got our radars up and ready to go find out what's going on. Well, when you were went to the, the facility in Kansas City, Missouri, were you surprised at how open the manager was about breaking the law? 
You know, what struck me first is the fact that she was re- willing and ready to tell me every detail. And that showed me right off the bat that she sincerely is trying to do this every day and has people asking this every day. And that reality is even more gripping in the fact that she was so willing and ready to speak with someone off the cuff because they're doing this every day with teenage girls. And it's just such a, a dark reality that we're uncovering. Well, are you concerned that Planned Parenthood is helping human traffickers get abortions for underage victims? Yes, well, Project Veritas is no stranger to powerful entities that are, you know, doing corruption and trying to hide it. So obviously, when it comes to something like this, we are uh, guessing that there's a whole lot more beneath the surface. So while she didn't necessarily say there's human trafficking involved, that leads us to believe that you know this opens the door wide for that kind of action to take place well especially since you posed as her uncle i mean wouldn't that kind of be a classic you know a trafficker type of you know situation or creepy at the very least (laughs) obviously that's you know the assumption that we're all going to rush to but we we really try to identify what's happening out of their mouths so Mm -hmm. While they didn't say they're allowing trafficking of any kind, it's definitely something that we can, uh, our minds can assume is going to happen very easily considering all the uh, open clauses that they've left for this type of situation. Do you think Planned Parenthood will retaliate against Project Veritas? Well, like I said before, uh, Project Veritas is very accustomed to having uh, big and powerful companies come up against us. So obviously that is not going to stop our truth telling. If they do, nothing was done wrong on our end. We're just trying to expose the dark secrets to the public so that not only can we bring change, but also safety for those who are in danger. And we primarily rely on the public's help to uh, further these investigations, these journalistic efforts. And we look forward to anybody who'd like to help with this and future investigations to go to projectveritas.com and make a non uh, make a taxable, uh, tax deductible donation to our organization so we can further these uh, in the future year. Awesome. Well, we want to thank you for coming on tonight and letting us share this eye-opening video. We hope you'll come back as the project unfolds. Thank you so much, ladies, and we appreciate the exposure you're giving this to this important story. Good night. Good night. We'd like to give a shout out to our colleague here at Priest for Life, Rico Carame. He met some of the Project Veritas folks at Turning Point USA conference in Phoenix last week and connected them to us. Thanks, Rico. Last month, Ohio voters approved an amendment to the state constitution that invented a right to abortion. On the heels of that pro-abortion victory, the Ohio Supreme Court last week dismissed a challenge to a lower court order that has been blocking enforcement of a heartbeat bill. That means the law remains blocked while it is again considered by the lower court. Meanwhile, pro-abortion lawmakers in the state are looking to repeal every pro-life law on the books, and some of their pro-life counterparts are working with a group called End Abortion Ohio to craft a bill that would protect nearly all babies from abortion, including chemical abortion. But even if a personhood bill were to get approval from the legislature and the governor, it would face an uphill battle in court, as the fight to enact the heartbeat bill has shown. A coalition of pro-abortion groups in Florida say they are close to collecting enough signatures to put an amendment on the ballot next year that would invent a right to abortion in that state's constitution. 
Floridians Protecting Freedom said it will have submitted 1.4 million signatures to state officials by the end of December, a month ahead of a February 1st deadline. A total of 891,000 valid signatures are needed to get the amendment on the 2024 ballot. The Department of Health and Human Services is investigating the University of Pittsburgh over allegations that it unlawfully obtained body parts and tissues of aborted children for experiments. The horrific accusation includes the charge that the scalps of five-month-old unborn babies were stitched onto lab rats. David DeLayden, founder and president of the Center for Medical Progress, has been looking into Pitt's experiments on baby parts for at least the last four years. His request for public information, along with those from the organization Judicial Watch, led to the current probe. 38 pro-abortion U.S. Senators, all Democrats, have introduced a resolution in support of the abortion drug Mifepristone. The U.S. Supreme Court last week agreed to hear a case that could limit how and when the deadly pill is prescribed. Now the Senators have weighed in with their claim that Mifepristone is safe and effective and that health care providers and patients would be harmed if the use of Mifepristone were sharply curtailed. The resolution was endorsed by Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion groups. And not to be left out, six pro-abortion governors have written to the Federal Department of Health and Human Services to demand that over-the-counter birth control pills be covered by health insurance with no cost to the women getting the pills. O-Pill, the first over-the-counter contraceptive pill approved by the FDA, is expected to become available in early 2024. A pro-abortion group called Texas Christians for Reproductive Justice says it is extremely troubled that lawmakers in Amarillo are considering making the Panhandle City a sanctuary for the unborn. The group's letter to the council included a fact sheet on why the Bible cannot be used to oppose abortion. The letter did not mention the commandment, thou shalt not kill. The, summer, the number of so-called missing women has more than doubled in the last 50 years because of sex selection abortion. The United Nations Population Fund's State of World Population 2020 reports that 61 million fewer women than men were born in 1970, with that number increasing to 142 million in 2020. Sex-selective abortion accounts for 1.2 million missing women annually. Azerbaijan ranks at the top of nations practicing it, despite laws against it. In 2021, 115 boys were born in the Islamic-majority nation, compared to just 100 girls. In Vietnam, where the average woman has 2.45 abortions in her lifetime, it's also becoming lopsided thanks to sex-selection abortion, which is illegal but regularly practiced. A pro basketball player is in the crosshairs this week after a woman he apparently encouraged to have an abortion went public. A message exchange between the woman and Anthony Edwards, a guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves, shows that Edwards suggested an abortion and sent the woman $100,000 to, quote, just take the pills. Edwards released a statement this week saying, I made comments in the heat of the moment that are not me and they're not aligned with what I believe and who I want to be as a man. All women should be supported and empowered to make their own decisions about their bodies and what is best for them. It was curious to me that the story created such a media uproar. At the same time, U.S. Senators are calling for all Americans to have access to abortion pills, and the mainstream media is all in for abortion on demand throughout pregnancy. But then I discovered why. At the start of this year's NBA season, Edwards posted a video of himself using homophobic language, so the woke mob was already after him. And finally, at Priests for Life, we recognize that Christmas can be a difficult season for women and men who have lost children to abortion. If you or anyone you know are hurting from a past abortion, help and healing are possible. Call the Rachel's Vineyard hotline at 877-467-3463 or 877-HOPE-FOR-ME to find a healing program nearby. And that's Abortion in the News. At the top of political news this week, 
Vice President Kamala Harris has planned a nationwide series of events to celebrate abortion in an effort to rally Democrats to give President Joe Biden a second term and regain full control of Congress. Her first event is the Fight for Our Reproductive Freedoms Tour is scheduled for Wisconsin on January 22nd, which would have been the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court case that legalized abortion nationwide. The court overturned the decision in June 2022 in the case Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Harris said in a statement, I will continue to fight for our fundamental freedoms while bringing together those throughout America who agree that every woman should have the right to make decisions about her own body, not the government. Wisconsin is a critical battleground state where access to abortion has seesawed since the Supreme Court decision. The loss of Roe v. Wade was a historic setback for Democrats, and there's no clear path to restoring nationwide abortion rights as Republican-led states enact new restrictions. Vice presidents are rarely decisive in election campaigns, but Harris is poised to play an important role next year, and for the first time, a new poll shows her favorability rating inching past Biden. On Monday, Monmouth University reported that Biden's approval rating dipped to just 34%, while Harris increased to 35%. Both are dismal numbers. And failing dismally as point person on the border crisis, Harris switched her focus to abortion. She held more than 50 events in at least 16 states with lawmakers, attorneys general, activists, and healthcare providers, and took her abortion show to college campuses across the country. An exclusive Tennessee and Siena College poll has found Tennesseans want former President Donald Trump back in the White House next year more than anyone else. But nearly a third of Tennessee Republicans say the GOP is headed in the wrong direction. The survey found 49% of respondents said they would like Trump to be the next president of the United States, while 20% said they would like incumbent Democrat President Joe Biden to remain in office for four more years. Another 7% they would prefer someone else, and 24% of respondents were undecided. Tennessee is a deeply red state politically, and Trump carried the volunteer state in 2016 and 2020 with just over 60% of the vote. Trump may even draw support from some Democrats, the poll found. While no respondents who identified as Republicans said they'd support Biden, 9% of respondents who identified themselves as Democrats said they would support Trump. In other election news, Nikki Haley is closing the gap on former President Donald Trump in a key early voting state. A CBS News YouGov poll released Sunday found that 29% of likely GOP primary voters in New Hampshire would vote for Haley, while 44% said they're backing Trump. It's the latest good news for Haley out of the Granite State, where she recently received a coveted endorsement from Governor Chris Sununu, who has pledged to put 110% behind the former South Carolina governor in the run-up to the state's January 23rd primary. New Hampshire voters who were surveyed also view Haley as the most likable and reasonable candidate in the primary race, and 53% describe her as prepared compared to 54% for Trump. Republican presidential contenders and endangered incumbents this past week were once again forced to answer complicated questions on abortion, as a Texas case demonstrated why the issue that dominated the 22 and 23 elections is poised to play a central role next year. 
the Texas Supreme Court on December 11th denied Kate Cox, a 31-year-old mother pregnant with her third child, the right to end the life of her daughter, who was diagnosed in utero with trisomy 18, a chromosomal disorder that is often, but not always, fatal. The decision laid bare the political reality facing Republicans as they seek to navigate between their conservative pro-life base and a general electorate more supportive of abortion. On the 2024 presidential campaign trail, Republicans vying to become the main GOP alternative to Trump have attempted to carefully navigate a middle ground between the party base and general election voters. Asked about the Texas case at a CNN town hall Tuesday night, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who in April signed a law protecting babies from abortion at six weeks, said Republicans must approach these issues with compassion because these are very difficult issues. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley has sought to sidestep questions about whether she would sign a federal abortion ban into law by pointing out the unlikelihood that such a prohibition could win passage in the Senate. She said Texas needs to revisit its approach to circumstances like those Cockfoot faced. And here's what Howie had to say. The Texas Supreme Court ruled earlier today that Kate Cox, who wants an abortion, cannot get one. She's 21 weeks pregnant. The reason why she was seeking one is because her fetus has a fatal condition. Considering what you talked about on the trail about abortion being a personal decision, do you support the Texas Supreme Court not allowing Kate Cox to make that personal decision? So first of all, I. You know I'm pro-life. I welcome the states that have become pro-life. But this is exactly why I've said you have to show compassion and humanize the situation. We don't want any women to sit there and deal with a rare situation and have to deliver a baby in that sort of circumstance any more than we want women getting an abortion at 37, 38, 39 weeks. We have to humanize this situation and deal with it with compassion. I think that Texas is going to go back and have their health medical board look at this and say, how should we deal with this? I think every state's going to do that. But at the end of the day, this is about how do we save as many babies as possible and support as many moms as possible. And finally, in a bombshell decision, Colorado's Supreme Court on Tuesday ruled that Trump's candidacy in the state's primary next year is prohib prohibited on constitutional grounds. The first of its kind ruling stems from a lawsuit that focused a little-known provision in the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Similar challenges in other states have proven unsuccessful. The Colorado ruling said that a majority of the court holds that President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the United States. Because he is disqualified, it would be wrongful act under the election code for the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. In its opinion, the court explicitly stated that Secretary of State Jenna Griswold may not list President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot, nor may she count any write-in votes cast for him. The court put its decision on hold until January 4th to allow for further appeals. It also said that if the matter is pursued before the U.S. Supreme Court before that date, the pause will remain in effect during that time and Colorado will be required to include Trump's name on the primary ballot pending action by the Supreme Court. Stephen Chung, a spokesperson for Trump's campaign, bashed the ruling and signaled that an appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court was forthcoming. 
Unsurprisingly, the all-Democrat appointed Colorado Supreme Court has ruled against President Trump, supporting a Soros-funded left-wing group scheme to interfere in an election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden by removing President Trump's name from the ballot and eliminating the rights of Colorado voters to vote for their candidate of choice, Chung said in a statement. We have full confidence that the U.S. Supreme Court will quickly rule in our favor and finally put an end to these un-American lawsuits. In response to this decision, businessman Vivek Ramaswamy pledged to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary ballot after the state Supreme Court ruled Tuesday to disqualify former President Trump from the ballot. Ramaswamy called the court's decision an unconstitutional attack on democracy in a post on X, formerly Twitter. Colorado's GOP presidential primary is scheduled for March 5th. A day after the Colorado Supreme Court's decision, California Lieutenant Governor is asking the Golden State Secretary of State to explore every legal option to do the same. Petitioners in Maine, who are attempting to keep Donald Trump off the presidential ballot, made their case Friday to Secretary of State Shanna Bellows that the former president is the president is disqualified for inciting an insurrection. Attorneys representing Trump say the state has no jurisdiction over ballot access. At least 16 other states currently have pending legal challenges to Mr. Trump's eligibility for office under the 14th Amendment, according to a database maintained by Lawfare, a nonpartisan site dedicated to national security issues. Four of these lawsuits in Michigan, Oregon, New Jersey, and Wisconsin have been filed in state courts. Eleven lawsuits in Alaska, Arizona, Nevada, New York, New Mexico, South Carolina, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming have been filed in federal district courts. Cases in two of these states, Arizona and Michigan, were initially dismissed by a lower court, but have been appealed. Be sure to follow us on X at Pro-Life News Show, where we will bring you up-to-the-minute updates on these battles. And that's political news in a nutshell. In 2011, Journey of Faith Church in Manhattan Beach, California, organized a flash mob to sing sacred Christmas carols in a crowded mall in Redondo Beach. Surprise shoppers quickly catch the spirit as the first singer is joined by others, including four men ascending on an escalator. The video juxtaposes the singers with a Christmas display featuring Santa to really drive home the reason for the season. The reaction of the shoppers is what makes this video so special for me, and I watch it every year, and sometimes it's not even Christmas. We hope you enjoy this video as much as we do.
Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. Teresa and I and our Priest for Life family would like to wish you and your families a blessed and very Merry Christmas. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.